Hi, thanks for listening to Extreme Encounter Ministries podcast. We pray that you are blessed and challenged through this time and through this teaching. God bless you, and thanks again for listening. Um, in the book of Ephesians, I love Ephesians. I love it because maybe it's, it's because I'm a pastor, and it really gives us a good picture of what the church is supposed to do and how the church is supposed to, to operate, how we as believers are supposed to operate. And I love, and we've talked about this so many times, but when we read, because Ephesians has, as you move on later in the chapters, um, there's, there's verses there that are known as conduct scriptures. Scriptures that say, this is what you should do, this is what you shouldn't do. This is how you should act, this is how you, you shouldn't act. And we have to understand it's so important that as we read those conduct scriptures, they're based on our identity. So in other words, this is how you act because you're a believer, so, but if we look at those conduct scriptures as, boy, this is what I've got to do, this is how I have to act in order to become something, then we've got it flipped around, okay? So as we read the scriptures that Paul writes concerning how we should act, it's based on your identity. This is who you are, so this should be naturally what comes out of you. But I love it. In the book of Ephesians, um, as we go, we're going to look at chapter 2, but I want to look at these other chap- chapters just quickly and briefly. Ephesians 1 speaks of spiritual wisdom. That we have spiritual wisdom. We have wisdom that's from God, that's from, from above. Ephesians 2 talks about being seated with Him. It talks about, love this, it talks about peace and it talks about mercy. How many of you love mercy? <laughs> Mercies, the definition of mercy is this, it's compassion. It's the free gift for the forgiveness of sins and is related to the misery that sin brings. That's so important to understand because grace removes guilt, mercy removes misery. Hear that because what we are to bestow on one another is grace, but it's also mercy. Mercy relieves the misery. God, that's good. God's tender sense, mercy is this, God's tender sense of our misery displays itself in his efforts to lessen and entirely remove it. Yeah, good news. (laughs) Entirely remove it. Efforts that are hindered and defeated only by man's continued perverseness that we don't allow the mercy of God. That's why we go daily before the throne of grace to obtain mercy, to alleviate that stuff that's been dealt with. We tend to carry around false remnants of who we used to be and there's stuff attached to it that the mercy of God is intended to relieve us from. So we as believers, as carriers of his mercy, are intended to release mercy to one another. Mercy to each other. Mercy is the outward manifestation of pity. I feel bad for your condition, so it should manifest somehow in my life because I'm a believer. Because your condition is not conducive to you being fruitful or you experiencing the life and the joy and the peace of God, then the outward manifestation of mercy should be produced in my life. It should move me to a place to cause you to want to be relieved from that. Selfless. This is selfless. But we're too selfish. It's too much about me. 
too many times. So mercy is that outward manifestation of pity. Let's, we're going to go back to chapter 3. It's okay if we jump here for a minute. We look at Ephesians. Ephesians is written, it's known as, as, an, as an encyclical letter intended to be passed through the churches, not only through the churches, but through generations. We, we, read, we read books that Paul wrote, these specific letters, to address an issue, to address a subject. And we can pertain those books um, to our lives as well. Those books, too, can be applicable. But when we read Ephesians, this is encyclical. This is intended. This should be the foundation. This should be the root of everything that you do. It's the foundation of everything, these encyclical letters that Paul wrote. So we look at Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3 speaks of the mystery, or it talks about also being filled to the measure, right? Being full in Ephesians chapter 3. Notice the progression here. In Ephesians 4, it talks about how we walk. It talks about it, the phrasing, to a perfect man, is in there. Now listen, this is all based on who we are. You can't jump to Ephesians 4 without reading Ephesians 2, which is what we're going to do. Ephesians 5 says to walk in love. It talks about our, our walk is to be a walk of love. It's all about love, right? That's what it's all about. That's the crux of everything, is that God loves us. What split time is the cross? Is love personified? It's the cross. It split time and it changed everything. That God loves you. God has purposed you according to his love. And not only has he purposed you according to his love, but he's equipped you with that same power of love, purposeful love, inside of you. It's inside of you. Love is supposed to come out of you on purpose. Our love is supposed to be manifested, number one, in each other's lives, but to the world, that we manifest the love of God with purpose, decisively, on purpose. We love people on purpose. Right? It's easy to do that when they're doing all the things we think they should do or when we know they like us. There's a lot of people that don't like me. I know that's a big surprise to you. Well, maybe there's two. I don't know. Two or three. But my, my response to that is always, it never changes. It is to be the love of God. The same love that God gave me is the love that I'm supposed to give. And Ephesians 5 talks about walking in that love. And then we get to finally Ephesians 6 that talks about the whole armor. And Paul says, actually, finally, be strong. Finally, be strong. Are you with me? I'll move too fast here. Okay, Ephesians chapter 2. Let's just read. Is it okay that we just kind of read through this? Because I want to show you some stuff as we read through Ephesians 2. We've been here, but it's good. It's good to have some refreshers. It's good to, to go back to some stuff. It's good for Selah. It's good to look at some stuff and dwell on it for a minute. Think about it. Pause and reflect. It says this, verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 2, it says, And you he made alive who were dead in your trespasses and your sins. You he made alive. This is intended to be foundational, folks. This is what every church, every believer should know. You he made alive who were dead. Which means if you were dead, you're no longer dead. You've cast off that deadness. The deadness was nailed to the cross. Now you just have life. In once you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, 
among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. I know I stop here every time, but I just can't stand it. But God, who is rich in mercy, but God, but God. And until you have a but God experience, you're not going to understand what I mean. It's when Paul was driving, driving, driving down the road. Usually I say minding his own business, but it really wasn't. He was in everyone else's business. Scripture tells us that at the time he was actually breathing murderous threats, killing Christians. He had the but God encounter that knocked him off of his donkey, blinded him for a minute. But God, but God who is angry. (laughs) But God who is rich in mercy, rich in the thing that removes the misery, rich in the outward manifestation of pity. He didn't just look at humanity and say, oh, poor, poor, poor humanity. It becomes more difficult to swallow that when that's his view of the worst of the worst. The he doesn't categorize that way, but we do. He's rich. He has a bountiful supply of mercy. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, made us alive together with Christ. Even when we were dead in the midst of our deadness, he made us alive, which means there's nothing that you could have done because you were dead. Think about that for a minute. It's not, well, when I started to go, in, go into church enough and I stopped cussing and I quit drinking, he made me alive. He says, no, even while in the midst of your deadness, No comprende. Wow. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Listen, look at the picture here. It's, it's, it's all speaking present tense. It's saying while you were, it's past tense, excuse me. While you were dead, in the midst of your deadness, he made you alive. And in the midst of that dead state, it's not by works. In the midst of that dead state, look what it says that he did. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He raised us up in the midst of our deadness. And he caused us to sit where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Not next to him. Not holding hands with him. Not parallel. The problem with parallel is they never meet. It's not my life being like Jesus' life. It's not about what Jesus would do. That's a good thing to think about what Jesus would do, but that's, that's parallel. Parallel never meets. It says he raised us up, and Jesus is sitting here. He seated me with him. I have become one with Christ. When? When I came to him in the midst of my deadness. This feels good. I'm going to sit down. For, I haven't sat down for a while. It feels good. Oh, thank you. 
Just give me a second. Okay. In the midst of my deadness. Made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. He seated us there in the midst of our deadness so that in the days to come, he could reveal his grace. He seated us in that position. Why? So that in the days to come. What days to come? This day. What days to come? The day that you come in contact with dead people. He can show the greatness of his grace. You can say, listen, in the middle of me being dead and no good, he plucked me out of my pit and he seated me with him in heavenly places. I should have had my head hung down, but he said, no, raise your head up. You're seated with Christ far above. In the midst of my deadness, it wasn't progressive. It wasn't after I'd been in church for 10 years, people. The problem is, is that we, we walk around forgetting who we are. It's not that we're not seated there. We just don't remember that we are. And so we act like we're not. That might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. He's not mad. He's not mad. He's not mad at you. If one person has never heard that it needs to hear it, I'll say it every service. God is not mad at you. <laughs> the kindness toward us in Christ Jesus, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is, I love it, not a gift. This is important. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So no more boasting about the good works. Quit it, because it's not about that. (laughs) That's why you don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing when you bless and you love people. You just do it. For we are his workmanship. Wow. And we are fearfully and wonderfully made, I might add. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The good works. We walk in the good works. You see, before they said it's not by works... You're saved by faith, by grace. That's how you're saved. It's not by works. But when you get this, that you're saved by grace, then good works will proceed out of you. That's the natural flow of things, is that we receive the love of God, we receive the grace of God, and from us comes good works. From us, the, because of the love of God and the grace of God, comes right living, comes purity. Because of our identity. Because of who we are. Nanny, nanny, foo, foo. Therefore, I don't even know why I did that. Remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, 
being alien. Do you remember that? Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off have been have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Look it up, look it up, look it up. Brought near isn't even this, and this is close. This is like invading her space, right? The spit's flying, <laughs> baptizing her. But that's not what that means. It, it's, it brought near is like it's a joining Brought near that through the blood of Christ, the joining together has taken place. God, that's so good. Brought near. I'm brought near. I'm saying it because I can't find it. I've been home with God. You were once far off, brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. He himself is our peace. No, he's your peace. It's not about give me peace. He is your peace. It's that picture of what the crown of thorns. Do you understand the crown of thorns is that picture of peace. The peace that you deal with is here. That's why scripture tells us that the chastisement for our peace was what? Upon him. Right? So he is our peace because of what Jesus went through. We don't, oh, I need peace. Oh, I need peace. No, we tap into the peace that's inside of us because he is our peace. God, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Having abolished it in his flesh, he abolished it because of what he went through in his flesh. No more separation because of what Jesus went through. And the enmity, or being an enemy, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. And I understand what they're talking about there, but it's also applicable with our coming together with him. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. Oh, there's so much. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. That's the call of his voice is peace. I have peace here. That's the call of his voice. To those that are far off, this is the sound of his voice is, I have peace. Come to me and I have peace. Come on, in the midst of the world filled with turmoil, turmoil that some of it we've created, own it. We've created some of the, own, uh, uh, the turmoil in our lives. The reason that we don't have peace, sometimes it's other people, but sometimes it's the mess that we've created. But what he still says to us is, listen, peace. I have peace. You who are far off, I have peace. And if you're right here, I have peace. Peace for you. Peace. How refreshing does that sound today in this day, in this time? And in this age, peace. For through him we both have access by one spirit. Now therefore you are no longer strangers, foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple 
That's a picture of the body. So good. In the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Three things we can glean as we... I, I just love the book of Ephesians and... I'm sorry for going so fast, but I, I just want you to get this. It would be good to have some homework here to look at some of this. Number one is this. This is why it's so important. The number one objective, I believe, that Paul is presenting in Ephesians is this, is to form a body to express Christ's fullness. That his, he wants to form a body that, it's being, that we are being built together. So important to get that we are being built together. It's not, you don't choose who you're built together with. It says that he is building together this body, this temple to express Christ's fullness. I believe in full gospel. I'm a, I consider myself, I guess, a full gospel preacher. And it's not because of the gifts, it's because of the love. The full gospel of God is the love of God. And without the love of God, all these things that we, we deem as the reason for fullness is really empty. That's what Corinthians says. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love. So the full gospel message is the love of God. And from that message of the love comes these amazing gifts that we get to operate in. Being a part of this body, right, that's joined together. The more intimately you know God, listen to me, because it's our objective to express the fullness of God, the more intimately you know God and represent Him honorably, the more of His heart that will be revealed to us. It's not the more of God that you get. But we get more stuff revealed, you know. Secondly, second objective, I believe this, is to, he does this through the uniting of people. Through uniting people. Through bringing people together. Not just physically, but spiritually. To bring us together. And I think that's why the, the mandate that the Lord gave us mo- years ago now to pray for three churches every Sunday morning is because something, I believe, spiritual takes place. And I believe that as we call them, we're saying, hey, we're praying for you. There's a coming together that, that is so, I believe, the heart of the Father it, it, to, to come together and be who we were intended to be. And those walls of division and competition, we say, we are purposed, I am purposed to say there's no room for that. There's no room for that. There's no room for that. Sometimes it's hard. Can I be honest with you? Sometimes it is hard, but we have to be purposed to say, I'm going to do my part. And as far as it is on my end, I'm going to be at peace, right? Is that not scripture? So it's uniting people. And thirdly is this, to equip, empower, and mature this people to extend Christ's purpose. To, to look at, to equip, I think it's in Ephesians 4, to empower and to mature. Equip, empower, mature. Equip. Empower, mature. It's hard to say that. Equip, empower, mature. Ten times. Equip, empower. No, I won't. To extend Christ's purpose, right? His purpose. What happens when people recognize they have purpose? Everything changes. 
When you say you have purpose, and it's not just to keep doing what you're doing, going through the same cycles and the same routines, and just like last March, it's just going to be the same as next March, and last January is the same as this next January, and blah, 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 over and over and over and over and over and over. But when you recognize that you are purposed by God, somehow it propels you out of the cycle. So I can't make you recognize that you're purposed by God. I can equip you, and I don't always do it perfectly, but I can do my best to equip you to understand who you are. But you've got to get this revelation of purpose. You've got to get this revelation yourself of your identity. And now God has called you and he's purposed you for such a time as this, for right now. Purposed by God, seated with him, Right? That's your position, folks. That's who you're, you are. It's your identity in Him. Yes? Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you, God, for who's coming. Can someone come? Zach or whomever. Thank you, God, for um, presence here. Thank you for your purpose concerning our lives. Thank you for purposed people, God, in this place. If today you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity for that. Is there anyone here you say, you know what, I, I, need, I need it. I'm, I'm ready to, for this new life. I'm ready to take on purpose. And you don't know him. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you this morning. Is there anyone here? Is everybody good? at the end of service here today that if you need prayer for anything we want to pray for you if there's anything in your life that you have need or whatever it may be um, here in just a little bit we're going we're gonna to pray for you we want to agree with you we're here for you this is on purpose we want to connect with you we want you to understand that you're not an island it's not about fighting this thing on your own okay we're setting some stuff up for you that I'm very excited about that you can you can be connected that you can stay free and walk in your freedom that you can um Be everything that God intended for you to be. Because really the choice is ours and the ball's in our court. He's given it all to us. All the fullness to us. He's given everything that we need for victory. God's not going to do one more thing concerning the devil. Not one more. It's all been dealt with on the cross. (laughs) Now you do it. You walk in the authority and power that you have. We're going to pray for you here in a minute. Before we do that, I just want to pray... Michael's getting ready to leave. This is his last service with us for a minute, uh, for probably a while. And so I want us just to, I I want you to know um, that I believe in you. I believe in your calling. I believe in your gifts. I believe in you. I believe in you. I have since I met you. I believe in you, young man. pray the Holy Spirit has ministered to your heart. 
Thanks again for listening. For more information on our ministry, visit us at extremeencounter.org.